Well, hey, everyone, and welcome to episode number 55 of the Other Six Podcast. My name is Chad Boak, and I am your host. Joining me once again in the studio, my co-host, our worship pastor, and the inventor of the door knocker who won a Nobel Prize, <laughs> ladies and gentlemen, Mr. Matt Collins. Matt, how are you today, sir? <laughs> Doing good, man. Yeah. I'm proud of that invention. <laughs> yeah, you did it, buddy. Good to see you. And also joining us in the studio today, our lead pastor, Mr. Adam Bishop. Adam, how are you, sir? I'm speechless. You got me on that one. That was pretty good. You like that one? I do like that yeah, one. good. I spent some time this weekend working on a few more, so oh, we'll be rolling these yeah, out. As there's the, a list. Yeah, he wasn't well, preaching yeah. this week, so you yeah. have plenty of time. I had a little extra time, so we'll, we'll be rolling those out over the uh, the coming weeks. But um, No bell. No bell prize. That's yeah, right. Good. You got it, man. That yeah. was a good one. Yeah. Well, gentlemen, how are we doing today? Did we have a... We, we knew what I was up to this weekend, obviously now, but how was y'all's weekend? <laughs> Do we? Yeah. <laughs> I just sat in a room working on puns for that. But no, how, how about you guys? How was y'all's weekend? Um, busy. You yeah. Know, we're in the middle of football season, so we had an away game up in Prattville. Okay. Didn't really go that well, but uh, <laughs> meaning the other team <laughs> won. This is Jacob's team, right? Jacob's team. But okay. you know what? I mean, at that age, you know, they, they're learning every week, and um, that's really the goal. So that's it's fun, good competition. Um, and Prattville's a nice place. If you just yeah. if you recently moved to Montgomery or Pike Road and you haven't been up to uh, Prattville, they've got some good – they got a Bass Pro Shop, they which do? always works for me. Yeah. Um, they have a steak and shake, or did that, that – clo- I think that – Closed, dude. Steak and shakes are the best. Dude, I, I know, haven't been there in forever, but they did have one. Okay, at least they good Harbor Freight Tools. I yeah. checked that out. Oh. Looking for some tools. I bought some stuff from there before. Yeah. yeah. So of course our Harbor Freight Tools on Eastern Boulevard is not too bad. I, yeah. I digress. But anyway, yeah. we were <laughs> up in Prattville most of Saturday, and then um, Sunday. Obviously, we'll talk uh, about the service here in a minute. But yeah. uh, in my home, Sunday afternoon was kind of a bigger deal because right. they had the Nerf. Can we call it war? I don't know if we can call I think it, it war. Was Nerf night. Nerf but, you night. Know, we Nerf called it Nerf night. war with the okay, students. But, yeah. So the fourth Battle. and fifth graders were yeah. up here, and Morgan's the kids minister. So she was kind of in charge of that, and you yeah. were kind of the yep. ringleader of all that, which meant I was at home with Henry. <laughs> so uh, Henry's very upset that <laughs> yeah. he was not involved in Nerf night. Oh. Sam he, was there helping out as a student he in was. student ministry. Yep. He was great. But it gave Henry and I a good chance to hang out. So we did what any good father and son should do on a Sunday afternoon. We had a Mario Kart competition. So that was a lot of fun. Yeah. Right. Who won? So, um, well, me. I mean, <laughs> right, come on. Right, I, I'm not. Right. I am not the dad who's like, you know, let him win. Not yeah. teach my kids. Character. I will give you no quarter. <laughs> no, man. If we're gonna race, I'm gonna go for the win. There you go. And my Sorry, kids man. never have to worry. Dad, are you taking it easy on us? They know. Like, <laughs> right. If I'm competing, I'm trying to win. Right. So right, of course right. I won. But we had a good time. And Henry, he's pretty good. I mean, yeah. let's put it this way. My almost seven-year-old version of Adam could not beat the almost seven-year-old version of Henry in any kind of video game. Gotcha. So it's yeah. amazing. He's a pretty good little driver yeah. in Mario Kart. And so, I mean, three <laughs> boys, our life is crazy busy like everybody else's. I don't always get a lot of good one-on-one time. Sure. So that was fun. So yeah. I enjoyed getting to hang out with Henry. We had a good time playing Mario Kart. And we also watched a uh, fun little documentary on Yosemite Park on Disney+, yeah. Plus, okay. um, which is pretty fascinating, which I want to go there now. Yosemite, like, yeah. yeah. Yeah, I've always wanted okay. to go, but I really want to go there now. So it was a good day, man. We had a lot of fun. What about you, Matt? Sorry, I'm telling all these crazy stories. We've I mean, been at Harbor Freight. We're at Disney yeah, Plus. Yeah, yeah, we're at Yosemite. Yeah. Matt's like, yeah. all right, uh, my we turn. We hung out on the lake, man. Uh, the lake? Yeah, okay. mom, whoa, whoa, whoa. Much better. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, Sorry, so family. <laughs> Matt, my mom better. and her husband, we they got a boat, and they were like, hey, we're, we're you know, last little hoorah before we put it up. So yeah. we went out there. Which and, lake? Uh, 
Jordan? It's Lake Jordan. Okay. Yeah, 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 that's, yeah. that's a nice lake. So the, I guess Wetumpka. that's a series of, of lakes, right? Because it's dammed up, and then there's... Watch your language. Yeah. <laughs> right. <laughs> Sorry. Yeah, <laughs> yeah it's kind of, kind of north of Wetumpka. There's a, a yeah. really, really nice lake. And not, yeah. not... Lake Martin is wonderful, fantastic, but, like, very it was, crowded. There's really so busy. people in yeah. Lake yeah. Martin. Yeah. There yeah. was, like, hardly anybody there, and there's yeah. some, like, beautiful houses. So is it a pontoon boat? Is it a ski boat? Is it, it was a, a ski boat. Race yeah. boat? Okay, okay, ski boat. So do you ski? Yeah, man. I Come wakeboard. You know, oh, wow. I didn't stuff, know this dude. about Matt. All yeah. right. Now we I can mean, talk about water skiing and you know, I mean, that's... Okay. Uh, Matt had the Vision Streetwear shirt as a kid. <laughs> that's <dude>. right. <laughs> Guarantee you. You were rocking that shirt, man. Oh, yeah, man. Yeah? yeah. So you were a skater. So do you like... Do you wakeboard? Do you kneeboard? Do you ski? I mean, what's e- your preference? Any board. All yeah. right. Yeah. I did so, not know wow. this. Wow. Yeah. All right. That's really cool. I mean, I'm not as limble as a, uh, nimble as I used to be. But, yeah. Right. You well, know, so yeah, I fall, I don't get up as Ever quick. do the barefoot skiing, water skiing thing? No, I have not tried that. I, okay. You know, yeah. Um, so my dad not a board was like that, a really good barefoot skier back <laughs> really? in the day. Yeah. Okay. So uh, I never I, tried barefoot skiing. I never had the guts to do it. But we should totally do the podcast from a boat at some point. I think that's a great idea. And then we could have footage of... Skiing <laughs> and, on our and, podcast and bailing and crashing. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I just want to be the driver. Right, right, you, can, right. you can hold the camera yeah, that's and right. I can ski. I have a lot He's of saying go faster. Yeah. <laughs> I have a lot of trust in you guys. Is that right. We'll put that on boat. the schedule for next summer. That'd, <laughs> I think be that'd, awesome. be, that'd be that'd be a lot of fun. All right, yeah, man, very I'm cool. down. I'd yeah. love to see that. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So we we had a good weekend as well. Kind of got to hang out. Uh, Lena came up to me at one point. She's like, "Dad, can we watch Lord of the Rings?" And I was like, "I've been waiting for you to ask me this, man." And so we did. Extended edition. This is not the new. Amazon Prime no, show. This, this is, is the movie. The y'all watch the movie. Or y'all? Uh, we'll, we'll see. I've okay. been watching. It's okay. Is it all right? Uh, it's okay. Did you okay. spend a million bucks an episode on that? So it's, yeah, like yeah. did they not get a return on their investment? It's Both? getting I mean, pretty did, pretty trashed by the critics. Uh, okay, honestly. but the problem is, well, I, I think. I mean, you what have, about you? Have I think you watched it's it? Fun. Yeah, okay. yeah, it's Lord of the Rings. Yeah, yeah. But, we but, don't. So you have all these critics people are that snobby man. They care. Yeah, when all these all these fanboys they care don't like a lot dumb and about, dumber. I mean, yeah, can we yeah. really take critics seriously? They don't like Dumb and Dumber. Right. I don't care what critics say. Right. They probably don't like Billy Madison or Happy Gilmore either. Tommy Boy. Any of the classics. All right. Sorry. Avengers Endgame won no awards. That tells yeah. you everything you need to know about the critics. So anyway, is that a good movie? Anyway, yeah, that, I told you I watched that one first, right? right. Yeah, that was it a didn't mistake. Make sense, yeah. huh? I was on a plane. It was a long flight. All right, sorry, but so you're you watching the real movie? Though. We like, watched, a lot of yeah, the original movies. Like poking the person beside yeah, hey, the what plane. Is this? You yeah. know who that guy? Who is, is that? <laughs> <laughs> the guy's having a heart attack. Going, oh, That's right. Is this important? Oh, That's right. So you're, you're, yeah, y'all watched the movie. Yeah, the the All extended right. edition, of course. Okay. And yeah. so uh, we got to do that, which was a lot of fun. And then uh, obviously Saturday there was football. Had a great time with that. Watching all the all the college games. Boy, Alabama man, Ooh. they had to sneak. They yeah. they had to really. Well, um, we paused the Lord of the Rings yeah, to watch to, the end of the Bama game, and, and Lena's like, you know, we're Auburn fans, so Lena goes, Dad, Alabama's going to lose. I said, sweetheart, they are not going to lose. It's not going to happen. So we were in a restaurant in Prattville yeah. after Jacob's game, mm-hmm. and the, of course the game's on, and so we're watching it, and we don't have a rooting interest because, you know, we're Georgia fans, but um, I'm just giving my boys, like, fair warning. I'm like, right. everybody needs to listen to me right now. <laughs> if we want to get out of here live, if they lose this <laughs> game, right. you don't say a word. That's right. <laughs> you don't cheer. You don't make any right. noise. So when they won, like, I was happy for all my Alabama sure. uh, friends because I got a lot of friends that are Alabama fans. Um, but 
I'll be honest, I never had a doubt. Like no, you told Lena. No, absolutely not. I, and because of Bryce Young, he's just such a fantastic football Give player. Give him 60 seconds left on the clock. Yeah. It's about 50 more than he needs. So, yeah. you know, yeah. Coach Saban, he's such a great coach. He'll use that one point win for the rest of this year. Yep. That's bad news for everybody else yeah. they play. <laughs> I was say, who do they play next? Yeah. So, uh, <laughs> so that was exciting. But boy, everybody in the restaurant, man, yeah. it was tense. tense. Yeah, you know, and so that was kind of fun because yeah. it worked out. Yeah, <laughs> but absolutely. It yeah. It may not have gone well. So, good week for y'all watch the movie yeah, yeah, and then we had church church on Sunday which was awesome Sunday morning great time upstairs with the yeah. students uh, service was fantastic we'll get to that in a second and then yeah the Nerf night so uh, my youngest <laughs> Ava so she's in fifth grade and she has seen Lena get to do all these student ministry events and she's and so to have this Nerf night for the fourth and fifth graders 73 fourth and fifth graders what? with it was Nerf insane. guns <laughs> it was, yeah. that's dangerous absolutely and, and it was funny because so when the students did this night there was a lot of strategy involved you know kind of holding back, waiting to press the advantage. Oh, yeah. For the fifth graders, man, it's just charge. I mean, like, yeah. they, they ran at each other as hard as and they could. And our adult volunteers, I saw some video footage yeah. of this, was fantastic. Yeah. They so, were in camo, and they're leading yeah, the wow. kids. So my father-in-law, Norm Bell, was there, and watching Norm square off with these kids, it was awesome. And, and lead yeah. them to victory yeah. and all I that. Mean, it was, it was you fun. imagine as a fourth or fifth grader getting to do that on a Sunday afternoon oh, yeah. in church? Yeah. No, I mean, man. that would not probably and, have happened. And there's the pizza, and there's uh, chips, and there's Rice Krispie treats. Yeah, I mean, dude, it was, and then uh, Morgan goes, well, I've got some candy in my office. Should we give him some candy? I'm like, yep, hype him up on sugar and let's send him home. So yeah. we did, and it was great. <laughs> but what the cool thing was is at one point Morgan said, hey, if you brought a friend, you know, a guest, raise your hand. And like almost every kid raised their hands. I mean, it was awesome. Yeah, she told me that just about everybody brought a friend, and then one yeah, kid so brought cool. a bunch of friends. He got a prize. Yeah, yep. yeah. Uh, that was uh, Lane, Lane Whitley. Yeah, Lane, Lane Whitley. Yeah, he got he got a little Amazon gift card. There yeah, you for bringing, yeah he brought five friends. That's so great uh, for bringing the most friends. So that was nice. uh, that was a lot of fun. But yeah, so a great weekend. I mean, great time all around. And then I thought, like I said, a great service on Sunday, where <laughs> we had the opportunity to kick off a brand new series from yeah. stressed to blessed. And so you know, I want to begin our conversation today and just talk a little bit about the big idea behind the series and, and why are we doing it? So that's not a new idea for a series with me. So if you <laughs> right. Google from stress to blessed, <laughs> you'll probably see a bunch of sermon series pop up. Sure. I mean, that's a pretty catchy title for a sermon series. Um, so I'm not ripping off a sermon series. Like I'm writing all of these sermons. Right. But I like the idea of the name of the series because I do think it captures a desire that most of us have. Nobody really seeks out stress in the negative sense that we understand the word. And we read in God's word that, you know, blessing is supposed to be a part of our life. Jesus said, I've come that you might have life and have it more abundantly. Right. So if I'm experiencing stress and I want to not experience that and experience God's blessing, how does that work? Like, what are there things I'm supposed to do? Are there steps I'm supposed to take? Or is that just something God does for me through the power right. of the Holy Spirit? So this series is going to attempt to kind of answer that question through some very practical things that we face in our life. Sure. So, you know, if you're going to talk about stress, you've then got to give context to that. Well, stress as it pertains to what? Is it relationships in my family? Is it my finances? Is it my health? And so we're going to try to take these issues we face, and everybody understands, and then talk about how we can move from stress to blessing. And, and the you know, truth of the matter is it's a little bit of both. There mm-hmm. are some things we have to do, and there is also <clears throat> Holy Spirit work involved. And so I hope it's a series that's helpful, and I hope mm-hmm. it's a series that's encouraging. Cool. Yeah. Um, so you mentioned that uh, stress in our life can either change us for the better or for the worse. Um, how do we make sure that stress is changing us for the better? Like, Yeah. So there's probably not one answer to that. Yeah. I think the stress that changes us for the better is stress that we seek out. 
Okay. It's when we're intentional about stress. It's when you walk into the gym instead of driving <laughs> oh, by okay. the gym. I was like, how do you it's, like... It's when you choose to exercise instead of okay. choosing not to exercise. Gotcha. Yeah. It's when you're disciplined to carve out time to read God's word. It's when you don't go back for seconds. It's when you put <laughs> yourself on an eating plan. It, it's when you make the date night happen even though you're busy. It's when yeah. you carve out one-on-one time with your kids. None of those things happen by default. You have to be super intentional about doing them. No one's going to do them for them for you. And it probably will create a little bit of stress to try to figure out how to make all of that happen. You're going to lose some sleep if you get up early in the morning to go to the gym, right? Mm -hmm. You're going to miss out on some of the food you like to eat if you choose to eat healthy. (laughs) Say no to the hamburger. (laughs) Yeah, I tend to see stress that's helpful is stress that we seek out. Mm -hmm. It's stress that we proactively plan for. We choose to submit ourselves to some discomfort Mm -hmm. in a particular area of our life so that we can experience blessing down the road. I'm not going to make that financial financial purchase that I can't afford and I'm not, and then I'm going to miss what it is that I desire. I'm not going to have that, but there's going to be future blessing down the road, Mm -hmm. delayed gratification. Our culture is not good at that at all, but there's going to be a little bit of stress in that. To, to, act, to say otherwise is, is not being realistic. Right, right. So I tend to, and, and that's probably an oversimplistic answer. There's probably some better answers out there, but the way I look at it is if it's helpful stress, I've, I've kind of sought it out in yeah. my life. Now, you could make the argument that if there's things that get chosen for you, <laughs> circumstances you didn't mm-hmm. choose that bring about stress, you still have the option with your response to allow that stress to yeah. serve you well. But that's a little more complex right. when it comes yeah. to that and some of the things we will talk about in this series. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so kind of what I hear you saying is like uh, it's the same way as when you work out. You're stressing those muscles, but building them up, it's a good thing. So short-term discomfort, long-term, very mm-hmm. helpful. Exactly. Yeah. And yeah. if you haven't worked out in a while, the first few times yeah. you work out, good luck. <laughs> it's not much fun. You're not going to be able to move at all. <laughs> right. But what happens after a while, your body does adjust, yeah. which then any good trainer is going to do what? Just change the exercise exercise again right. so your body doesn't get rest you only grow when you you only grow when you're uncomfortable you only grow hmm. with stress you you don't grow in a state of being comfortable uh. spiritual growth physical growth health all of the things and so yeah that's a really good way of looking yeah, at it that's good yeah. so uh we kicked the sermon off with a pretty good chunk of scripture from John chapter 3, which contains, you know, like you said, probably the best known scripture in the Bible to many people, John three sixteen, And uh, and in this part of scripture in John 3, uh, Jesus is talking to a guy named Nicodemus, one of the religious leaders. And so I want to just kind of, let's unpack what's happening here, because I thought, you know, Nicodemus, religious leader, didn't they hate Jesus? Like, why is this conversation happening? Can we talk about this? So yeah, the Pharisees didn't like Jesus, which is why Nicodemus comes at night. Okay. So he's he doesn't want to be seen. He's being sneaky. Mm-hmm. So, you know, <laughs> I don't know if they were guy. around a campfire, but I like to think they were around a campfire. Sure. And so I see Nicodemus and Jesus sitting around a campfire <laughs> right. having a discussion. I didn't preach that because it's not in the Bible. This is just in my imagination. <laughs> okay. So yeah, there's a lot happening there that he comes to Jesus at night. Peer pressure is a very real thing. Mm-hmm. It even was in the first century. Mm-hmm. So he doesn't want his buddies, his fellow Pharisees, to see this. But clearly, there was something that Nicodemus had observed that he was intrigued by, and he also knew that Jesus was sent from God. Now, whether or not he had reached the conclusion that Jesus was God's son or if he just thought Jesus was a prophet, John 3 doesn't really give us clarity on that. Sure. But no, Nicodemus is separating himself from the crowd. He's going against the flow. He's he's trying to keep his buddies in the dark and not let them know that he's actually going to try to talk to Jesus about who Jesus really is and hear it straight from Jesus. Hmm. And so you get this really unique encounter. 
this yeah. one-on-one conversation that Jesus has with Nicodemus, which is why I think John included it in his gospel. So obviously, Holy Spirit, let's all be on the same page here. God's words inspired by the Holy Spirit. John's gospel, I believe, from research studies, not like I just made this up, most scholars who would believe the way we believe. They see God's word to be authoritative. They see God's word to be inspired. They see God's word to be inerrant, that John's gospel was written last, which is why John's gospel has the most unique amount of content as opposed to Matthew, Mark, and Luke. There's a lot of same content in Matthew, Mark, and Luke. There's a lot of unique content in John's gospel. Why is that? We don't know. We can speculate. So my speculation is John had familiarity with the other three Gospels. Mm -hmm. So inspired by the Holy Spirit, he gave an account that gave us a a greater picture of who Jesus was. So it doesn't surprise me that this unique conversation would appear in John's Gospel. It kind of fits his writing style. But nevertheless, it is unique because of Nicodemus' status in society as a Pharisee, and that as a Pharisee, he's actually seeking out Jesus. Now, this isn't part of your question, but I think this is interesting. If you read through Acts, there's this really small verse. I think it's Acts 14 or 15. Don't quote me on that. That talks about many of the Pharisees coming to faith in Jesus Christ. Hmm. That part of the church's movement and beginnings and acts is that a lot of these Pharisees actually became Christ followers. Yeah. So we see Nicodemus, the other Pharisee that we really have any attention drawn to in the four Gospels is Joseph Joseph of Arimathea, yeah. who requests Jesus' body and places it in a tomb that he had purchased. So Nicodemus and Joseph of Arimathea are the best we can see from among the Pharisees who at least began to see Jesus for someone other than what the Pharisees thought he was, which was a false teacher. Right. Nicodemus mm-hmm. knew there was a lot more to Jesus than that. Right. So you said yesterday that being a uh, follower of Jesus is going to look different in this world, that we're called to look different. Um, you said that it's like swimming upstream. So how, if we are called to look different and be different, how can we not expect that to cause us stress? So I like it when Jesus says, in this world, you'll face trouble. Mm-hmm. The very next phrase is, but take heart, yeah. for I have overcome the world. Yeah. So we talk about the big idea for this series is that from moving from stress to blessed has more mm-hmm. to do with what? The internal condition yeah. of my heart right. than the external condition of my circumstances. Mm-hmm. So what's Jesus doing there? Jesus is saying, in this world, external circumstances, you mm-hmm. will face trouble, but take what? Heart internal condition of your heart. Why Mm -hmm. is that? I've overcome the world. Mm -hmm. So he doesn't just tell us, take heart. He actually then gives us the reason. Yeah. So yeah, there will be some emotion that goes with that. Mm -hmm. If you swim upstream, if you're (laughs) the only Christ follower at work, if you have a teenager or a kid at school and, you know, people know they're a follower of Jesus and they get picked on or made fun of, Mm -hmm. there will be some emotion that results from that. To think otherwise is ignoring the fact that we're just emotional beings. This is how God created Mm us. But for the Christ follower, you eventually say, no, I'm going to take heart. I'm going to let what's happened in my heart. Jesus has changed my heart. Mm -hmm. I belong to him. I'm one of God's children. I'm going to let that ultimately determine my emotion. So I may be sad in the moment, but I'm not going to Mm -hmm. stay there. Mm -hmm. I'm actually going to do what the disciples did was they counted it as joy to suffer for the name of Jesus. They celebrated after they got whipped. Now, I don't know about you, but most of us won't face that level of persecution. So I think we have to right-size again, what does it actually mean to experience a little bit of pushback in our lives as Mm -hmm. followers of Jesus? And when that happens, 
take heart, Jesus overcome the world. He told us this would happen and then counted as joy to get to suffer for the mm-hmm. name of Christ. This is what we see modeled in the first century. And a lot of our brothers and sisters in Christ all over the world, they know this to be their reality. Mm-hmm. For some of us in America, that's just now starting to become part of our reality. It's mm, good. So we talked a lot yesterday uh, about this idea of being born again, which obviously salvation is a huge deal for us. And uh, I know that I've talked to several believers over the years that, you know, they, they've prayed, asked Jesus in their heart. They don't feel any different, and they don't necessarily have confidence they've been born again. I even remember uh, as a student one time, an adult leader, me going like, hey, how can I know this? And he goes, well, just every time someone, you know, offers to lead the sinner's prayer, just pray the sinner's prayer again. And I was like, well, that's exhausting. <laughs> so I guess my question for you is, is... How can we as believers, if we don't necessarily feel something different, how can we have confidence that we've been born again? Someone really gave you that answer? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Boy, what a terrible answer. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> they don't still serve in student ministry, do no. they? Okay. No, no, All right, no. wow. So, because I was like, I'm thinking of, this was when you were a student. Yeah, this was yeah. 20 okay. plus years ago. Okay. All right. Yeah. Wow. I'm sorry. I'm just kind of hung up on that. Yeah, no, um, yeah. Somebody actually told you that. Yeah. What was your question? How, how, <laughs> yeah. you know, yeah, how can we have confidence that we've been born again? Yeah. yeah. And not have to If do we that. don't necessarily feel <clears throat> different sometimes. So I'm going to say something that's not popular, doesn't probably not going to sound very nice, Sure. but it's going to be incredibly honest. And I hope that's okay. I yeah. hope that we can be honest. Absolutely. You, you ever hear somebody say, well, to be honest with you, and then you often wonder <laughs> they are lying to me right. every other time you talk. Right, right. <laughs> so Morgan and I will celebrate 20 years of marriage in January. Uh, and there are some days that I don't feel as close to her as others. Mm-hmm. Is that okay for me to say that? Mm-hmm. Yeah. 20 years in, there's just some days, like, I, it's not that, like, I'm upset with her. It's not that I'm mad at her. It's not that we had this big fight. Mm-hmm. It's just like... Life's kind of hard, you know, busy. There's a lot of things going on. And, you know, it's like, did you do this? And did you do that? Did you pick up that? And were we missing a child? And there's just a lot of stuff we're supposed to do and (laughs) all the things. I may not feel that, oh, man, just that romantic, I love her with all my heart feeling that maybe happened at some moment, you know, in the past. So when that happens, do I call into question our entire marriage? No. Or do I say, well, is that part of being married to somebody from 20 years to have the expectation that this emotion and this feeling is going to always be there at all times? Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's probably a little bit of an unrealistic expectation. That's yeah. why a lot of people get divorced in their first three to five years of marriage. Mm-hmm. No one ever told them, hey, yeah. that feeling probably isn't going to last <laughs> forever. Right. Yeah. Like that, there, there's actually four different words for love in the New Testament. So that eros love that attracted you to that person may not be what sustains your marriage for the long haul. Right. Okay. Mm -hmm. So, all right, do I call my entire marriage into question because I don't feel that on a day? Of course not. Um, Do I panic and think something's wrong with our marriage? Probably not. But do I go, maybe we need to spend a little bit more time together. And, you know, I I probably have just been asking her how, making sure we're covering everything, you know, almost like we're partners in this whole thing called life. Maybe I need to carve out a little bit of time and talk to her, ask her what's going on. Okay. So like I can take something good from that, right? right? So just think about that in your relationship with God. To think that you can have a relationship with God and be born again and at all times just have this amazing, mm-hmm. vibrant walk with the Lord where you're clearly hearing from God and everything makes sense. And there's just this peace and there's just this wonderful emotion and everything just seems amazing. That's not life on this earth. Mm-hmm. That's life for all of eternity. 
Oh, wow. So as long as we live on this planet, which is marred by sin, you're not going to ever get to experience the relationship with God to its full potential. That happens in your resurrected body Mm. for all eternity in a place called heaven. So if you go through those seasons where you begin to wonder these things and you question these things, you doubt these things, you don't feel as close to God as you used to, you don't feel like God's hearing your prayers, you you don't have the same vibrancy in God's word as you used to, what are you supposed to do? Well, you just keep going in the relationship, just mm-hmm. like you would in a marriage. If you had one day in a marriage where you didn't feel as close to your spouse, you don't call into question the entire marriage. Right. If you have one day walking with God where you don't feel as close to God as you had before, you don't call into question the entire relationship with God. Mm-hmm. So look at it as a relationship. But then the other thing I would say is, are there things in your life that give enough evidence that you do have a relationship with God. Right. Mm-hmm. Now, if I had that feeling, like, I don't really feel that close to Morgan, and then the, my very next thought was, when's the last time I actually thought of Morgan? I think it's been a year or two. Now, see, there would be a problem, okay? Right, right. So there, for some, it's like they have that feeling, and then my question would be, well, when's the last time God was on your radar? Right. Well, I remember when I went to camp when I was in the fifth grade. I said, what are we talking about? You're in your mid-30s. Right. So, wow. like, if that's the case— yeah. Maybe that doubt or that emotion is coming from a place of conviction to tell you you don't even have a relationship with God. So there's a little bit of discernment in this. Now, who is the best person to help you discern these things? Someone on Facebook. I mean, I think that's obvious, right? (laughs) You just go on Facebook, you make a post, they comment, you get all the wisdom you need. March on and everything's fine. No, this is why you need to be in a life group. This is why you need to have friendships with good Christian friends. This is why you go to lunch and you go to coffee and you Mm -hmm. say, here's where I'm at, here's what I'm feeling. Can you help me here? And another person who walks with Jesus, who you can trust, who has wisdom, wisdom can a lot of times help you actually discern and process what's going on. So I'm kind of giving some broad strokes here, but really this is why we need one another. You need Mm -hmm. someone else in your life to kind of help you begin to unpack the specifics of what might be going on in your life. That's really good. Yeah, that's really good. Don't go on Facebook. (laughs) What'd you call it Sunday? Bumper sticker theology? (laughs) Was that right? Yeah. Yeah. Just going to let go and let God. That's right. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) Speak. Speaking of bumper uh, bumpers and stuff like that, well, you said yesterday that um, Christ, uh, being a Christian is not a birthright. Um, ha- let's talk about that a little bit and why so many people kind of buy into that thinking and what our culture, what that looks like in our culture today. Well, it's it's more pervasive in the South, mm-hmm. but I do think that that's becoming um, not as commonplace anymore. Yeah. Uh, but, you know, live in Denver, live in New York City, mm-hmm. you know, definitely not. You know, th- yeah, the biggest yeah. difference, okay, so you live in New York City or you live in Denver, Colorado. If somebody finds out they're a pastor, it finds out I'm, when I lived there and someone found out I'm a pastor, mm-hmm. it literally changed nothing about the dynamic of our relationship yeah. and or conversation. Right, sure. So if they were dropping F-bombs before, you know, <laughs> someone's cutting my hair, they're dropping F-bombs. Now you know, I, I'm at a gym <laughs> and I get to know someone and, yeah. you know, they're speaking with you know, foul language and curse words and dropping up on us, and they find out I'm a pastor, they don't stop. Yeah. It's like, cool, you're a pastor, and then they continue. Right. So the difference in the South is if somebody finds out I'm a pastor, they immediately tell me where they used to go to church. Right. (laughs) Not where they go to church, where they used to go to church, as if that somehow was what I was wondering, you know? Yeah. Um, So in the South, at least, there is still this, like, societal... 
pressure to communicate that church and God is at least somewhere on your radar. Yeah, yeah, yeah. it's almost like they want to flash us their membership card, right? Like, right. Yeah, yeah, I got the yeah, membership, Yeah, we man. pulled you over yeah, to yeah. check it. Yeah, yeah. yeah. so that, that's what I mean, like culture. Right. Yeah, it's You crazy. live in Denver, Colorado, hey, who's your favorite football team? It will be an NFL team. Mm-hmm. Right. You live in the South, who's your favorite football team? It will be a college team. Right. There's just yeah. some things that are different culturally speaking. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So I think there's a lot of that that goes on. Yeah. So if you're born and raised in the South, there is a lot of that. It's, it's a societal pressure to look at God and church and Jesus and Easter and Christmas through a positive light. Mm-hmm. Sure. Um, and so you want to kind of have something to do with that. I think the other thing, and I think this is where it gets really tricky, mm-hmm. is there are a lot of people who are not Christ followers the way I would define it from God's word, John 3, being born again. They have not experienced salvation. They haven't been born again. Mm-hmm. But they don't have any issues with the things the New Testament teaches. Right. They don't have an issue with Jesus being God's son. Right. They don't have an issue going to a Christmas Eve service. They really believe Jesus walked out of the tomb. I think a lot Mm -hmm. of people have confused mental assent and or agreement Mm -hmm. with having been born again. Right. Mm -hmm. That's a big challenge in the South. They everybody knows the Bible stories. They don't disagree with the Bible stories. They've just never reached the place in their life where they've accepted Jesus Christ as how it applies to their life. And that can actually be very counterproductive as opposed mm-hmm. to other parts of the country where no one knows who Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego is, right? You say <laughs> that, people, people look at you like you're crazy, right? <laughs> Did you so, fall and bump your head? Is that the yeah. new restaurant downtown? <laughs> They're confronted yeah. first and foremost with the gospel right? Yeah. before all this other stuff. So they have to be confronted, be offended by the mm-hmm. gospel message. And then if they choose to receive Jesus Christ as their Savior— now they begin to learn all these other things. Whereas in the South, that gets flipped. People mm-hmm. have learned these things. They went to VBS as a kid. Yeah. They ate the watered-down snow cones. You know, grandmama drug them to church. They've heard all the stories. They've got the kid Bible on the shelf. They can mm-hmm. tell you just enough of the faith story, mm-hmm. just enough of the plan of salvation. Yeah, yeah. And a lot of people's minds, that then leads them to believe that must mean I'm a follower of Jesus. Right. And I'm here to say it doesn't. Yeah. That all of that knowledge doesn't matter when it comes to whether or not somebody <laughs> has been born again. Right. Yeah. So you just mentioned this, and I want to kind of dig deeper into this idea. You said that uh, being told that you have to be born again is offensive. Now, I think for many of us, you know, maybe it's a cultural thing, a generational thing. I'm not really sure. For many of us, it's kind of hard to understand that being told you have to be born again is offensive because we grew up hearing that all over the place. So can you unpack that for me? Why is it offensive to be told that you have to be born again? Because you're not good enough. Mm. Our entire society has built this narrative that we're good people, that that we're good people, that we make good choices, that kids are good until society corrupts them, that all you have to do is look from within, that if you can just recognize and realize your own potential, that's all you ever need in life. Believe in yourself. Go for it. You're the best. You get a trophy. No one's as good as you. Right. That, that's, right. that's literally yeah. our entire you know right. value as a society. So when God's Word says... Yeah, that's actually not true at all. You got to be born again. <laughs> yeah. You you actually are the worst person to address your situation. Mm. You need outside help. Nobody likes to be told they need help. Nobody likes to be told they need to be rescued. Mm. Everybody wants to stand on their own accolades and accomplishments. Everybody wants to lead with their pride. So the moment you say 
okay, that may have done some good in this world. And I said that in the message yesterday. So yeah, serve people, get involved in community service, do good. I'm a big fan of that. I'd much rather have a bunch of lost people doing good things than a bunch of lost people doing bad things. (laughs) But when it comes to your standing with God, none of that counts. Mm -hmm. That's very offensive because we take for granted, again, we're also stinking churchy. We take for granted that only Christians do good things in this world. That's not true. Mm-mm. There's a lot of good right, done right. by people who are not Christ followers. Yeah. So look at somebody who has spent a lifetime doing good, adding value to society, building schools, building hospitals, mentoring kids, acting more like a Christian than some people who actually are Christians yeah. and yeah. tell them that's not good enough. Yeah. you got to be born again. You have to change your identity. Well, they've built their whole identity on all the things they've done. Right. That's highly offensive, yeah. especially when you add, oh, and there's only one way. You've got to be born again through the name of Jesus Christ, not through whatever else you want to make up mm. in our pluralistic religious society. So, yeah, that's very offensive in the culture we live in today, which is why we try so hard as a church to not be offensive with everything else. Right. Right. So we haven't talked about this lately, but, you know, when someone shows up to Vaughn Forest Church on a Sunday, the only thing we want to offend them is the gospel. We don't want them to be offended because somebody questioned what they were wearing. Right. We don't want them to be offended because um, no one spoke to them or was kind to them in the lobby. We mm-hmm. don't want them to be offended because when they went to drop off their three-year-old, there wasn't a volunteer there to take care of their three-year-old. Mm-hmm. You know, we don't want them to be offended for a number of other reasons. Right. But when God's words opened up and the truth of the gospel message is proclaimed, there will be an offense. Yeah. Now, I see that offense as really a potential first step for conviction to really begin to set in, which is why I talked about that. What are you going right. to do when that happens? You're going to mm-hmm. fight it? You're going to yeah. argue about it? You're going to defend yourself? Or are you going to begin to cooperate and agree with it and admit that, yeah, I've got this whole front, but I knew who I am on the inside? Yeah. Mm-hmm. And you know, I think Tim Keller said it, and I'm not quoting him exactly here, but you know, because of your sin, you're a lot worse off than you could ever imagine. Mm. But because of the cross, you're also a lot more loved than you could ever imagine. Yeah. Yeah. So there's that dual reality of us being sinners in need of a Savior, having to be born again, and that being made possible because of how much God loves us. Yeah, and you know, that, that offense that comes in, you know, it makes no sense that someone, <laughs> you know, especially as good as what you're talking about, you're doing all these good things, would ever, you know, agree with that offense, but that's Holy Spirit work, right? The Holy Spirit convicts, and, and that's how the Holy Spirit moves. I think that's so interesting. Well, I, you know, I think a lot of people can, you know, because we're made in God's image, so, you know, you're given talents, at, you know, from from that. And, you know, I, I think that you can still do good, but it's not until it lines up with what God has called you to do in this life that it right. actually makes sense and hmm. you're actually walking uh, with the Lord. So, yeah, like, you know— there's a lot of you know I, I can't remember where I was reading that, but I I was reading that based off of like uh, worship um, culture and stuff like that because uh, there's a lot of people that can sing yeah but it's not until it lines up with God's word and like pushing people to to hear the gospel yeah it kind of goes back to that thing we talked about last week what was it common grace and then yeah uh, yeah what yeah was the saving, other one saving grace saving, yeah, saving grace, grace. Yeah. yeah well um in John three five Jesus said um, no one can enter the kingdom of God unless they have been born of water and the Spirit. So is Jesus talking about where we have to be baptized? Um, And if not, what is he talking about there? Yeah, so let's talk about that. Let me give one last little clarifier to what we are talking about earlier. I think it's why Jesus 
talks about in the Sermon on the Mount that blessed are the poor in spirit. Hmm. So when Jesus says blessed are the poor in spirit, what he's basically saying are you're blessed if you already know you have no accolades to stand upon hmm. because this whole offense of the gospel is a lot less offensive. Hmm. You have nothing to claim anyway. Mm-hmm. The people in the New Testament who quickly respond to the gospel are those who are poor in spirit, those hmm. who have no accomplishment, those who are the outcast of society, those yeah. who are the known sinners. Those are the people who immediately are falling on their face and going, I can't believe that Jesus loves me. Yeah. Right. It's yeah, only yeah, yeah. when yeah. you get some accomplishments under your belt yeah. that it's more difficult to be poor in spirit. Mm. Yeah. is what Jesus talked about there. So when J- Jesus talks about uh, being born of water and being born of the Spirit, I mean, not to get too graphic, but mm-hmm. quite simply, he's giving an accurate description of childbirth as right. opposed to being right. spiritually reborn. Yeah. So I don't really want to go into greater detail, <laughs> sure. but no that's need. kind of the idea. It has nothing to do with baptism. Yeah. yeah. So anybody that looks at that verse and um, reaches the conclusion that it's speaking of baptism is what we talked about a few weeks ago, eisegesis. That is not exegesis. That is an an accurate interpretation in the context of what Jesus is talking about. He's just differentiating between physical birth and spiritual birth. I think he clears that up in the next verse, too. Yeah, born of the water, born of the Spirit. There's a difference there. Everybody's born once, water, not everybody's born again, Spirit. That's good. So, you know, you talked uh, about how it's important to remember when you were born again. And so I wanted to kind of just pause for a moment in the conversation and kind of talk about, like, ask you guys, so when did you have that experience? When were you guys born again? Let's, let's, hear, let's hear some stories here. I'll go first. Sure. Um, so my dad was deployed. This is 2001. And October, I think, I, I, you know, I just remember feeling like this weight of, like, I wasn't good enough. Because, you know, they, they, dad was like, you got to be the man of the, uh, the family while I'm gone, that oh, well. kind of stuff. Um, we were living with my grand, uh, my grandma, and I, I just remember, I, like, I can't, I can't live up to my dad's standards. Yeah. I can't live up to that, and uh, you know, I was not doing well in school and not doing well in sports, and I just felt like, you know, I don't really, I don't really know. And then my grandpa, you know, who was always telling me about his his friend Jesus, and I remember, um, you know, he was there for him, and I, you know, opened my Bible, started reading about him, and then, you know, I was like, God, if you're real, I need you. Mm. Uh, so it was, you know, October of 2001, and then I, I wasn't baptized until uh, December um, of that year. But because I was like you, like, did that really happen? Yeah. Like, I was yeah. trying to figure that out. But, yeah, so that, uh, 2001. That's really How good. old were you in October 2001? 11. Wow. <laughs> How old does that make you feel? Wow. Very old. <laughs> Very old. Well, Chad, I've just kind of always been a Christian. Jesus has <laughs> right. always been a part of my life. Your, your so. parents were Christians, so you yeah, were, yeah, yeah. So yeah I, just, I was it. born into Wait it. Wait a second, <laughs> didn't we just talk about this? I'm sorry, I shouldn't be that snarky. No, that's um, right. So it would have been January of 1985, Matt. 85. 1985. I wasn't even thought of then. So <laughs> I was almost one. Appreciate that. <laughs> Good job, man. Appreciate you made it. that. So I was young. Um, it was two months be- before I turned six. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, I was that kid that kind of from a very early age just started talking and t- still has not shut up. Mm-hmm. So, um, you know, my parents started reading the Bible to me really, really little and was at a good church. So mm-hmm. even though I was young, you know, I, I was the I was very um, looking back on it, a very grateful byproduct of a bunch of other people that were doing the right things, mm-hmm. you know. So I'm at a Sunday night church service. This is back when you had mm-hmm. Sunday night church, yeah. and it was different than Sunday morning church. <laughs> okay. Did so, y'all do Awanas? 
No, man, I want us had never even <laughs> I made it. To, like, when I did mean, that start? Yeah, that had not <laughs> Sorry, made it man. to my. No, no, we were did RAs and GAs. Uh, so well, I, I, I could do the yeah. RA pledge right now for you if you needed <laughs> me to. So, so, yeah, yeah, yeah. I'll do my best to become. Oh, anyway, so like we would go to Sunday school. Yeah. On Sunday mornings, and we go to church, and mm-hmm. then we go home, and then we come back up, and I sang in the choir, the youth choir, kids choir. I, yeah, I so we had choir practice, and then we had Sunday night church. Then we came back on Wednesday night for RAs and GAs, and so church was a. I mean, it was a big part of my life, you know. So we're sitting in a Sunday night church at First Baptist Kennesaw, where I grew up, and um, they're baptizing people. And, you know, kind of like what we do now. People would kind of share a little bit about why they're getting baptized. They get baptized, and we'd clap and stuff. And um, I don't know if I had seen people get baptized in church before, but this I just obviously remember this night. Mm -hmm. And I remember thinking, why are they doing that? Yeah, Mm -hmm. Like, my little mind was super intrigued by what was happening. Yeah, And so I have always been incredibly grateful for the testimony of baptism because it played a Mm -hmm. big role in my faith story. Yeah. So I go home, and I am just like the interrogating attorney with my parents. (laughs) What is going on here? Why were they doing You know, they're dunking them under the water, and I'm asking all these questions. And so my parents start explaining to me what baptism means, Mm -hmm. that, you know, baptism is an outward sign of an inward change. Yeah. And they basically are walking me through the gospel. And so I'm just, we're sitting at our kitchen table. I'm like, well, I need to do that right now. And they're like, well, you know, you're really young. <laughs> right. And I'm Hold like, well, you just told me I'm a sinner. And I know I'm a sinner. I mean, I, I'm like repeating the gospel right. back to them. And yeah. so my, my parents, and we laugh about it now, because at some point they're looking at each other and they're like, I guess we have to let him get saved right. <laughs> <laughs> or he's going to tell somebody that we wouldn't. Yeah. So my parents led me, wow. you know, to pray to receive Jesus Christ as my Savior. And then they made me meet with the pastor like two or three times the next week. So this was a pretty small church at the time. It actually then, you know, grew later as I got older. But the pastor at the time, his name was James Bond. um, (laughs) James Bond baptized Not kidding. And the last He has a license to save. (laughs) (laughs) Sorry. Terrible. Sorry. The last three numbers of his phone number were 007. (laughs) Kennesaw, Georgia. He did that on purpose. Oh, yeah. It was such a small town. You could choose your own phone number. So he had totally done that. Wow. So I met with... Pastor James Bond a couple of times and you're only saved twice. You know, James Bond. <laughs> I could do this all day. Yeah. Sorry, keep going. <laughs> he told my parents, like, yeah, he, he knows what he's done. You know, he he is he's a follower of Jesus. Yeah. So he baptized me the next Sunday night. Wow. Um, it was snowing outside. Oh, I remember it was January yeah. of nineteen eighty five oh, wow. and it was snowing outside. And um I've never doubted it. Mm. Just never doubted it. Um I, I knew fully what I was doing. Now, I'll tell you that it wasn't until I got to be about 10 or 12 years old that my faith really started to grow, hmm. that it really started to become like, all right, I, I got to dig into God's word. You know, I need to witness to my buddies. You know, I need yeah. to tell people they're going to go to hell. <laughs> like I was that kid. <laughs> you know, seriously, I was. And yeah. so um, they had to always kind of rein me back in um, so I didn't just keep offending people. But mm-hmm. um I guess in some ways I've never stopped, but so yeah, that that was yeah. mine. Sorry, I t- probably took it the longer than I was supposed no, to, but good. you know, I like I like the being eleven. You know, I'm yeah. almost six. Yeah. So yeah. what's yours? Yeah, so I was nine. So this would have been 1993, and uh, at the time we were going to Fraser Church. That's actually the church I grew up okay. in. Good uh, church, great church. Yeah. Uh, back when John Ed uh, was the pastor. And uh, my parents still go there. Uh, they and the reason they still go there, even though they live uh, like a mile and a half away from a church where their son is a pastor, is because of their small group. Yeah, and so that's they, right. Yeah. They've stayed connected for that long. Shows you the power of relationships. Yeah. But my dad at the time was not saved, and a, a buddy of his invited him to go on walk to Emmaus, 
which was kind yeah, of uh, my parents have done that. Yeah, so it's a it's a it's a thing in the Methodist church, I believe, it is. and um, it's just kind of a so a retreat a for retreat. spiritual renewal, yeah. and oh, um, it's really powerful. Cool. Yeah, yeah, it's yeah, a really yeah. powerful. It's, thing. it's a really interesting yeah. thing, really cool. and and uh, so your dad went. So my dad goes on that, and my dad gets saved. Uh, on the walk to Emmaus. Oh. And so then he comes home, and he the first thing he does is start talking to me about mm-hmm. it. Mm-hmm. And I remember just sitting there, and we we had gone to church, you know, obviously for, for years. Yeah. And I just start, like, crying. Hmm. And uh, and my dad, the first thing he did after getting saved was came home and led me to the Lord. That's and, cool. Uh, That's so cool, Yeah, man. it was it was awesome. And so, you know, it, but it's, it's funny you mentioned the whole, like, you know, getting serious. Because uh, that didn't happen until I was about 16. I heard a speaker one time yeah. describe it as, there comes a point where you tell the little boy or little girl to sit down, the man or woman of God stands up. Hmm. And so for me, it was around the age of 16 when I mm-hmm. got really serious. But yeah, when I was nine, my dad led me to the Lord. It was, a, cool. it was cool. an incredible experience. Yeah. yeah. And I think for me, because I became a believer so early in life, it wasn't until probably my early teenage years that I truly started to become broken over my sin. Yeah. Because it's not like I wasn't sinning as right. a teenager. Right. And so recognizing my sinfulness and my sin nature, I guess I really began to wrestle with that yeah. probably later yeah. than um, in the initial point of salvation. And so, yeah, I mean, it, it's a, and, and my point yesterday was just like, hey, do you have a story? Yeah. What's your story? You know, and if you can't tell us the story, yeah. you know, let, let's have a conversation about that. Right. Yeah. And no one can argue with your story. Yeah, you know, when right. you're talking to someone, I mean, like that's your story and that's yeah. how the Lord's moved in your life. Yeah. So uh, my next question, um, just kind of moving us along. Um, You said that uh, we don't have to know more about uh, being born again, but, you know, kind of thinking about that, aren't we supposed to further our relationship with Christ and and knowledge of God? Um, How can we understand like that sweet spot um, of learning about Jesus, um, but not being stressed out about it? Yeah, until you have a relationship with Jesus, it's going to be impossible to really learn anything else about Mm -hmm. um, Him, God, His Word. Um, In fact, you know, I'll be so bold to say, if you haven't been born again, none of your prayers even matter. Right. You know, so God hears your prayers because of what Jesus accomplished for you on the cross. Yeah. He's your mediator. You have access to God's throne, Mm -hmm. not because of anything you've done, but Mm -hmm. through Jesus. And so... Establishing a relationship with Jesus Christ by being born again is always the first step. Yeah. And as you once you do that, oh yeah. Mm-hmm. From that point forward, the desire is growth. Okay. The desire yeah. is learn everything you can about God, yeah. everything you can about Jesus, everything you can about his work. That will only enhance your relationship with yeah. him. But yeah. if you wait till you understand all of those things, mm-hmm. until you establish that relationship, you're kind of getting the things out of order. Mm-hmm. That's good. Yeah. So, you know, kind of wrapping up this conversation, one of the things you said yesterday <laughs> was that uh, condemnation doesn't result from sin, but from not believing uh, we also know that Scripture talks about the unpardonable sin, you know, which is blasphemy of the Holy Spirit. So can we unpack all of this? Because, like, I was kind of raised hearing that it's your sin that separates you from God and condemns us. So can we unpack that? Well, sin is what separated us from God in the garden okay. mm-hmm. for good, okay? So that is a big part of our story. You have to understand that sin causes separation, and right. sin and the separation that it caused— is what then created this problem. Now, mm-hmm. it's a problem from our perspective, not a problem from God's perspective. God had a redemptive plan, and then he was faithful to see that redemptive plan through to mm-hmm. its completion by sure. sending his son, 
Jesus Christ, who then paid the penalty for sin. So because Jesus paid the penalty for sin, God's wrath and anger towards sin has been satisfied. Right. Jesus embodied sin. He paid the price for sin all time, and we talked about that in the message. So where that leaves us now is that, yes, in your sin, you are separated from God because of your sin nature. Mm -hmm. But that's not ultimately now what will cause you to be separated from God for all of eternity because there's a way that's been made for you. Okay. Now, if you look at that way and you stare it down and you go, no, not for me, your Mm -hmm. unbelief is now the reason you're separated from God for all of eternity. Now, here's what's amazing about that. You're still going to bow the knee and confess that he's Lord. Mm -hmm. So just because you deny it in this lifetime doesn't mean there won't be a point in your life where you have to bow and confess that Christ Jesus is Lord. Mm -hmm. And can you imagine anything worse than having recognized Mm -hmm. that Jesus was actually who he said he was and then having to be separated from him for all of eternity? And Mm -hmm. yet for many, that will be their fate. So when we talk about you know, condemnation coming from unbelief, unpardonable sin, blaspheming the Holy Spirit. What's happening there? I do believe that it's the Holy Spirit that brings us under conviction when it comes to our sin. Mm-hmm. Because in our sin nature, it's just in our nature to keep sinning. Right. I don't think there's anything wrong with sinning. That's just what I do. Right. So if there's something that begins to convict me of that, this is the Holy Spirit working mm-hmm. in the process of salvation. Now, what am I going to do? Am I going to respond to that? That's what I was talking about. Right. Am I going to agree with that? Am I going to submit to that? Gotcha. Am I going to receive the free gift of salvation? Jesus said, I am the way. Am I going to receive that way so that I, too, can be reconciled? with God. And for the person who experiences that level of conviction by the Holy Spirit and says, no, I'm not going to submit to that. I want to live life my way. And I've talked to people before Mm -hmm. who said, look, man, like I'm not trying to tell you that what you're saying isn't true. I just want to live life my own way. Like they're literally saying, I am rejecting this. Mm-hmm. Well, what have they done? They're blaspheming the Holy Spirit because the Holy Spirit was the one that brought about that conviction. So when Jesus talks about that in a very sim- simple way of understanding it, he's basically saying, if you haven't been born again, mm-hmm. if you haven't been born again, that is the unpardonable sin because it is now going to lead you to separation from God for all of eternity because you chose not to believe. Right. You had the opportunity and you chose not to believe. And so. I do think that people can do that. It's yeah. one of the reasons I'm not a five-point Calvinist. So I know we don't need to get into Calvinism and Arminianism <laughs> at the end of the podcast, but I've got plenty of friends that are five-point Calvinists, sure, and I yeah. don't think that's a point where we can't have fellowship together or anything like that. I think it's a secondary issue of our faith. Mm-hmm. But it is one of the reasons why I personally don't subscribe to that way of thinking, because I do think that the Holy Spirit is involved in the salvation process, but I do think that people can reject what the Holy Spirit is beginning to convict them of. Right. Mm-hmm. And um, my Calvinist friends would probably tell me I have some things out of order there, but that's just the way I read God's Word, and we'll yeah. all find out who is right when we get to heaven one day. But anyway, so <laughs> right. didn't mean to go down that road. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So we'll do that on one of the podcasts. Yeah. You know, yeah. We'll take a whole podcast. We should do that. We'll take a whole podcast, just talk about it. It'd be fantastic. Sure. Yeah, so, absolutely. But yeah. If you reject Jesus and the free gift of salvation after being convicted of your sin by the Holy Spirit, it's that unbelief. Now, listen, you may have done that before. Mm. It doesn't mean your your options are over. As right, long as right. you're still breathing air, you still have the opportunity. There's plenty of stories of people who spend mm-hmm. a lifetime. I've, I've prayed with somebody a day before they died, oh, and wow. their body is eaten up with cancer. And he looked at me and said, I've rejected God my entire life. What do I do now? 
Mm. I said, man, you received Jesus Christ as his, as your personal Lord and Savior. He's like, I don't think I can still do that. And I told him the story in the New Testament of how all the farmers got paid the same amount of money at the end of the day. Right. I was like, hey, you just showed up at four o'clock. Yeah. <laughs> you got an hour left, but you're going to get the same level of eternity. For me, I received Christ when I was almost six years old. Right. I've been doing this since 9 a.m. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But you're here at 4 p.m. And he looked at me and he's like, are you serious? I was like, absolutely. He didn't realize that even after a lifetime of rejecting God, he could still receive Jesus. Mm-hmm. And he did. Oh, so good. And he yeah. did the day before he passed away. His name was Bill, and I did his funeral the next week. So, listen, you may be listening out there. Don't give up hope if you've got a relative right. or a loved one or a friend that that's their story. If that's your story, and you think, well, I've already told God no too many times. No, no. you can always yeah. receive Jesus as your Savior. Yeah. yeah, and I think that's one of the things that sometimes can be so tough to believe is that like God is that loving, that merciful, right. that full of grace. Like that's so good. Yeah. Well, gentlemen, I think that's a good place for us to kind of wrap up the conversation today. This is this has been a really good kickoff yeah. to this series for this podcast, and uh, we'll be continuing it this Sunday morning, uh, 9.30 and 11 a.m. here on campus. Again, if you're traveling, uh, you can always join us online uh, at vaughnforce.com, uh, our Facebook page, YouTube channel, all that kind of stuff. So we're looking forward to that. Uh, so, Adam, thanks for... This has just been a great conversation. Yeah. I've loved all this. Yeah. It's been very informative. I love hearing your guys' stories, yeah. uh, Matt and Adam, about you know getting saved, you know remembering back to that stuff. So on behalf of Adam Bishop, Matt Collins, Sound Guy Jonathan, myself, we appreciate you joining us today, and we will catch you next time.